From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been consuming recently, and I'm apparently going through puberty because my voice broke. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week, we're talking a rebooted horror show, extreme horror, conversion camp horror, and an alien western. Hey. <laughs> I have three drinks. Look at this shit. I have a co- iced coffee, a liquid death. And I have a Pepsi. Like, it's just Hell yeah. constant. You're like nesting. Constantly drinking. I, <laughs> nesting no, with it seriously drinks. is, though. <laughs> well, exactly. That's what I do at my desk. I always have at least three beverages around me at any given moment. Like, it's kind of insane, but it, I have always been this way. I have photos on my phone going back to like, my first desk job where I took pictures of the Holy Trinity, which was like a Diet Coke, 
water, and a coffee. <laughs> and so I have always been this way. Like, literally, a water, a coffee, and some form uh-huh. of soda. I don't... You just upgraded your water to, to liquid death. I upgraded to liquid death. I This is my last one from Amazon. I need to reorder if I go... Ugh. I mean, at this point, we really need I to, swear to, to God, stop liquid like, death, advertising them. I, I, I know. <laughs> there are people who have tagged me on Twitter who have said, I am now addicted to severed lime liquid death because of the podcast. A fucking come on. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's so good. I'm like, I'm about to like buy their t-shirts. I'm just gonna be a fucking walking billboard. I gotta do a I gotta do a fucking Uber the other night with a liquid death in my hand going to a concert. Like who am I? But it's just so good. It's just so good. And refreshing. And he looks so cool carrying it. And he just looks so yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean it lo- you know, it looks like you're drinking like, you know, alcohol. It's such a cool ca- anyway. Um. <laughs> I got into my Uber and I was like, I hope he doesn't think I'm drinking a literal beer in I here because that would be really a <laughs> girl. I've been bringing it to work, and the first time I went to work, one of my coworkers did like a double take, like, uh, "Excuse me," because you know, alcohol verboten where we work. And I'm like, "No, this is water." I'm like, "Uh huh." Like, no, seriously, it's called liquid death. No, it's water. I did that. I was doing. I was in a meeting and I drank it. Someone's like, "Are you drinking right now?" I'm like, "Oh no." Whoops. It's a cool can, but it's also a problematic can to bring at work. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Anyway. Anyway. This has been Sparkling Water Corner. (laughs) The the hydration station. It's important to hydrate. Rebooted Horror Show? (laughs) Oh, yes. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rebooted Horror Show. Okay. So... (laughs) <laughs> I never saw this when the original TV show came out, but Pretty Little Liars. Okay. So they are they've rebooted it and it's on HBO Max starting uh, the day before this episode comes out. <laughs> I had to go look up what day is it? What time is I was it? Like what? It comes out it? the day before this episode. So dropping three episodes Thursday. at once, um, and then two, and then I think two, and then three, or something. I don't know. HBO does weird things. But um, this is Pretty Little Liars Original Sin, and it's a reboot of the series, and it takes place in two different time periods. Same universe, different city, I guess, but takes place in two different time periods. There's 1999, when a group of girls are at like a rave for a New Year's Eve party. One girl kind of walks up to them and gets ignored by them, and she's like holding her stomach and obviously isn't doing well. And then she climbs up in the rafters and falls jumps pushed unsure falls to her death everyone calls it a suicide cut forward 20 years later and the daughters of those girls are now this new club of pretty little liars and there is a person named a which uh, likes to sign with like the scarlet letter a is punishing them and their parents um for what happened to angela the girl that died in the in 1999 and so there's like a lot of secrets, a lot of intrigue, a lot of horror references. Boy, there's a character named Tabby, played by someone, Chandler Kinney. Had to go look at IMDb. <laughs> played by Chandler Kinney, who is basically like a walking Randy. And I'm not 100% sure yet if I find it endearing or a little too meta. Like, she's like dropping the mm-hmm. Palma. Okay. And there's one point where she's like... They're talking about how something is like pet cemetery. She's like, no, this isn't pet cemetery. This is hereditary level shit. Um, so there's like a lot of that going on. But 
Okay. It also kind of homages horror. There's like a lot of split diopters. There's um, a sequence that obviously is riffing on Carrie. Uh, the filmmakers, uh, the, well, the showrunners um, used to write for um, Riverdale and Sabrina. So if you're looking for a kind oh, of like expectation, okay. this is like a more, when I say adult, I mean more like there's a lot of nudity and sex and language and there's butts and peepees and and curse words. <laughs> I sure as fuck did. Butts and peepees. I think I know what the episode That's title is gonna episode. be. That's fuck. The title of the episode. <laughs> I'm an adult. Here we are. <clears throat> You're an adult. I'm the one that said peepees. <laughs> Instead of penises or dicks just, or cocks or anything, I decided I, I just, peepees. I know. And like you've said, and like you've said all of those words I on sure this podcast before. It's but today, they're peepees. Oh, <laughs> I just imagine, can you imagine getting intimate with something like, oh yeah, give me that peepee. Uh, anyway, that's Pretty Little Liars Original Sin. <laughs> and, and if you want to know more about it, including, I have not said in my re- recaps review PP yet, but if you want to learn more about it, I am covering it with friend of the show and former guest Joe Lipset, like we do, um, between his and my site. So if you are following, if you're watching it, follow along with us. And don't hold it against me that I just said PP. <laughs> uh, getting away from that, though, let's try to salvage this conversation. No! I want to hear about extreme horror. <laughs> um, there are butts and peepees in this one, but it's not funny. Um, <laughs> this movie's not funny at all. It's- it is now. I swear, we start like re- releasing video content and we just have gone, I don't know, cuckoo bananas. Okay, this is Megalomaniac. Mm. This is the movie I'm talking about. Uh, I saw this as part of Fantasia. I'm home now, obviously, but I am, um, I am still watching things because the festival goes on for another week, which is absolutely insane. So this is Megalomaniac. This is a Belgian film um, from Kareem... Um, Wilhosh, I think I pardon me if that last name is if I pronounce it incorrectly, but so Megalomaniac is basically a response to the big new French extremity. Oh, okay. I, I believe. And this is how it was kind of marketed to me by the PR guy, Ted Geegan. Um, and I agree with that quite a bit. Um, it's about a brother and sister, Felix and Martha, Marta, who are the offspring of a notorious Belgian serial killer. And the serial killer, the butcher of Mon, the Skinner of Mons, is a real serial killer. Oh. So what the director is doing is taking kind of the mythology of the serial killer who was never caught, like they oh. never found out who this guy was, and he basically like killed women, dismembered them, and deposited them in trash bags along the highway. And so, <laughs> so the film is basically like these are the kids of this guy, okay. and he, he's it's like taking that. It's taking a true crime kind of angle and extrapolating it into this very weird story about 
trauma and being related to someone with this kind of mm-hmm. like legacy and what that how that manifests. And so Felix, my man, no no eyebrows, long black hair, like the most emo looking man I've ever seen. He is following in his father's footsteps as a serial oh. killer. And then there is Marta, who is working as a cleaning lady in a factory, and she is bullied and sexually assaulted by the men that work there. This movie is insane. And it's kind of like the two of them grappling with their legacy and trauma and this kind of really interesting, fucked up look at nature over nurture, violence. It's weird. And I didn't know how I felt about it when I first watched it because there's a lot Mm. happening. Like... It's a lot of like, sexual violence, mm. a lot of murder, a lot of misogyny. And I was like, this is just, like, fucking ridiculous. But, like, the more I thought about it, the more I thought that, like, okay, like, there's something, like, there's something being done here with this. And I also, not to spoil it, but I also felt like there's not, there's a lack of catharsis that I like in your French extremity. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought about the movie is actually not about even achieving catharsis, oh. which is even more fucked up. And it's just, like, it's nasty, it's gross, it's, like, I had to pause watching because I was like, all right, I need a break. Oh, like, this is a lot. But it's fascinating and has really grown on me the more I've thought about it. It won a bunch of awards at the festival. Okay. Um, the woman who plays Marta is incredible. And it's just this, like, really bleak look at cycles of trauma and violence and, like how that manifests it's just fucking weird is is it something that i i mean you know me and like martyrs is it something that i i would i mean enjoy might not be the right word but i don't know if you would appreciate it which is valid because it's not a movie that many probably should <laughs> but here i am i mean like xyz acquired it I'm so it's going you, to man, get XYZ. distribution i know xyz's killing it like they so they've acquired it so that means it's going to get distribution at some point um which i think is so fucking cool that movies like this are getting recognized mm. and like their value is getting recognized like i know they're controversial and they're it's like very easy to be like it's very easy and very valid to be movies like those are just incredibly misogynist. Like, why do we need them? Like, those are very valid, like, criticisms of the movie. I see it a little bit differently, yeah. but, like, doesn't mean someone's wrong. I just think there's something really fascinating in how bleak it is. Yeah. And in how it doesn't want you to feel catharsis at the end, which is so fucked yeah. up and gross. I mean, but, like, I, I do yeah. I do like films that sometimes that don't have <laughs> that catharsis or are that nihilistic. It's just, I don't know. I, I've been going back and forth on whether I should request it or not, but I also don't want to review it knowing that I might go into it hating it. Like, you know, that's, like, not a good angle to... It's, like, it's hard because, like, the reason you didn't like Martyrs would be the reason why you didn't, you won't like this one, which is a very valid reason not to like it. Like, there, I wouldn't say they're the mm-hmm. same, but there's, like, that level of misogyny that you okay. can, like that is pretty easily perceived is pretty on display like the whole movie it's one of those that i think i might watch when it comes out but like i don't know if i'll request it to review yeah (laughs) i just don't want to go into a movie knowing that i'm probably gonna hate it you know what i mean no that's fair (laughs) that's a very that's fair very fair that is megalomaniac so 
keep an eye out. All you extreme horror fans especially, keep an eye out. Fantasia really is delivering, like, the fucked up weird shit. I'm very, I'm very happy. I was, like, slow going at first, but now I'm, like, hitting the stride. I heard Skinamarink is really oh, good, is so I'm going to watch that okay. soon. Mm-hmm, so. I've fallen behind. I don't know why I'm doing well. I'm not doing well with the writing. I've written five reviews, though. Okay, so that's you're two good. up on I'm me. I'm proud of myself I've, for that. Well, in my three reviews... Okay, no, I have written four reviews, but three of them are capsule reviews, because I was just like, this is where I'm at. Those are so... Those are this still reviews. This is where I'm at. Those are still reviews. <laughs> Look, there's too much going on. Too many movies. But, you know, it was Fantasia, and then a two. we've seen two movies like bigger mm-hmm. releases that are outside of the festival circuit and this first one is the conversion camp for terry that we yes. both saw we have seen they them which is premiering august 5th it's actually pronounced they slash them <laughs> i got i got like 45 emails about it, it needs to be pronounced are they slash them for duncan interviews yeah, like that's how you have to pronounce it in Junkin interviews. So that's all. I'm just being an asshole because it's been hammered into my brain for like a week and a half. Well, they, them. <laughs> <laughs> they slash them is um, coming out August 5th on Peacock. Uh, it is, according to IMDb, an LGBTQIA empowerment tale set at a gay conversion camp. That is all IMDb says. Uh, okay, so I I enjoyed this one. I didn't like it as much as I hoped. I know, but I didn't dislike it as much as I feared. I believe is how I t- is what I told you offline, yeah. in terms of like my feel for it. It's about mm-hmm. again a, con- a gay conversion camp. Um, although I would probably say a queer conversion camp because uh, there is a gamut of of sexualities and identities here, and. They are all being forced to come here because of their parents. It's run by Kevin Bacon as Owen Whistler. He starts off the movie by saying, you know, that you're not going to hear any about any talk about God here. You know, we're not trying to change who you are. If you leave here and you are still queer, have at it. But I know some of you, some of you want to change. And so it's this kind of insidious bit of microaggression on him and the, the the kind of counselors part or the the people running the camps part where they're just a lot of like little jabs that just sort of keep escalating as well as it being sort of a slasher kind of barely a slasher it's not really no. a slasher it's like a slasher for like 15 minutes yeah there's like one there's like it opens up with a cold open kill and then there's like one kill somewhat fairly early on maybe in the like first act beginning of second act and then there's like nothing (laughs) until the end so it's kind of weird how it's being portrayed as like a slasher i think has a cool mask though it's a really cool mask and i think there's a lot about this movie that feels very sanitized for a wider audience and trying to be trying to be it's like it's trying to be really gay in a palatable way if that makes any sense at all like i know that i think it's trying really hard to be like look we are very gay and very queer and this is a very like a movie that's trying to like right the wrongs the horror genre has into queer characters which i very much appreciate like it's not trying to like show you like a lot of queer pain in like murder through murder there's queer pain in other ways because it's it's a lot of it's like a psychological drama thriller with about the conversion camp part so it's like 
that's the focus. And that could have been a gr- like an interesting movie. I think it was just trying to like fall into a, a buzzier kind of genre and didn't really know how to do it the right way. If that makes sense, like, it just felt well-intentioned, but poorly executed. Yeah, which is is weird to me, because it was written by John Logan, and John Logan is, like, a gay god of writing for me. I mean, you know, he's he's written big things like The Aviator and Skyfall. He's was the writer for Rango, but then he also, he also wrote Alien Covenant. <laughs> but then he also wrote, like, Petty Dreadful. Yeah, it's just like, I don't, it's just like a very, uh, I don't know, because I've been trying to grapple with how I feel about it, because like I gave it a positive review on Dread Central, and I stand mm-hmm. by the positive review, like it was not like super high. No, I, en- I enjoyed it. I think this is an important, yeah, because I think it's an important movie, because like, it's an important movie that's not going like super deep, because... You know, we we obviously have, like, a Mm non-binary lead, which we needed more of the non-binary lead. They did not really, like, they did not really feel like like that final character to me, but whatever. Um, And, like, you know, we have a trans character, we have a bisexual character, which made my little gay heart sing. Lesbians, like, internalized homophobia. (laughs) Like, there is this really great range of representation, but it's one of these, like, kind of clunky ways of doing it to be like, look, you can do this. And it's not always done in the most careful yeah. way. But it's it's trying more than most other movies have, you know? Which is like, I want to give credit where credit is due and trying to do something that a lot of other films haven't tried to accomplish. Yeah. I, think, I, I think that if you go in with the expectation that it's not really a slasher, it's a drama that that falls into a slasher at certain points, you might appreciate it more. I was going into it, particularly after the trailers, kind of thinking, ooh, this is going to be like a Friday the 13th for queer people. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. that, this, mm-hmm. it's not it. Yeah. That's not it. But I think that it's doing some interesting things. I liked the way it handles. I mean, you mentioned internalized homophobia. I love the way that it handles that. And I love the way it handles the uh, the people in charge. That's all I'll say about that. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's fun. Just like go into it with like kind of low expectations and don't expect mm-hmm. a slasher. You'll have a good time. It's gay. Oh, it is. It's really Absolutely. fucking gay. And like that's awesome. It's very queer. And like the whole cast yeah. is queer. Like all of the people that are in the cast are queer. Which I know like always that weird argument. But it's just really cool to see like queer people playing queer people in like a large group. And it has my boo, Cooper Co- Coach, who was in Swallowed also coming up from carter smith and he is so he's so attractive this is gorgeous he's a gorgeous human being uh (laughs) breaking from that reverie staring off into the (laughs) uh let's end on uh i think a high note for both of us let's talk about this alien western question mark alien western so we both saw jordan peele's Mm -hmm. nope his third film that just came out last week and i loved it i did too I absolutely loved it. It somehow exceeded my high expectations for it. I do think um, I've seen some complaints about that it probably could have been shorter. And I mean, I think that it is very measured in how it lays out its story. Uh, I mean, maybe you probably could have edited some of it down, but I think it's it's perfect the way it is. I think so, too. I did not feel like it did not feel like two hours. I felt like to me, every beat in this movie was necessary. 
very like really build up to like the climax at the end and make mm-hmm. it so effective. And like the climax is like a long sustained Girl. situation. <laughs> but it's like it's not just like this one this is so sexual. It's not just like one burst. It's like a full the third act is mm-hmm. just climax. Yes, I will continue with this metaphor. Everything in it builds the stakes so well and I like people some people like don't think there's not like development to the characters and that's I I I mean like I don't agree but I can see what you're saying but I I love the characters in this movie too. I think the cast is incredible. Chef's kiss. I think this one makes you do a little bit more work in terms of finding the character development, but I also don't necessarily think that it is about these characters. I think it's more about big ideas in a way. And I think it's about these ideas in the way of like spectacle. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But like I, the performances are fantastic. I, you know, I've heard people compare it to, to Jaws in a way and like very Spielbergian. And I do think, especially in that uh, final act, it does feel like we're out at sea, like dealing with the shark where it just is constantly going and constantly getting more complicated of a fight. And the alien design in this, god damn, is it good. I did wish it was a little bit more violent. That's like my biggest complaint. I wish this movie had been more violent. Like there are a lot of like really interesting moments that the camera cuts away from. And there's a really, there's a certain scene an abduction scene that is like the fucking freaky shit I've ever seen, but we don't get a lot of that. And I, it just felt like a little bit sanitized. And I said that with they, they slash them, but I also feel like this one was a little bit sanitized too. Like it could have been way nastier. And I think there's a little, a little bit of a avoiding the gore. Which is a little disappointing. Yeah, I, I thought that the the alien abduction scene was really well done for what it was, but I kept thinking until the very end of it, where I thought it made sense. I kept thinking while I was watching it that like they probably could have gone bigger, but I it makes sense after. I'm I'm trying not to spoil, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, the yeah, bit yeah, at the yeah. End. It's yeah, I yeah, but. but. Um, there is one scene involving um, a lot of blood, and I j- expected it to be. I was hoping for Evil Dead <laughs> remake levels of at yeah. that particular moment, yeah. and that's yeah. not what we got. The ideas here are really good, and I've read a lot of think pieces about specific images and specific sequences yeah. that I've been really enjoying, um, and has helped my kind of appreciation of the film as well. So. Jordan Peele stays winning. Jesus fucking Christ. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Three for three for me. Three for three. He doesn't miss. No. This is, I think, going to be like, this is his big blockbuster. This is his, like, him showing he can do a big summer blockbuster. That's like. And the effects are much better than anything we've seen in superhero movies. Sorry about it. It's, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I agree. Operating on a 60 million budget. Which is a lot of money, but when you compare it to the amounts of money that's spent on yeah. Superhero X, this looks so much better. Plus, I after I found out, I watched it, I found out that it was shot with IMAX cameras. And I was like, God damn it, I wish I was seen in an IMAX. Because there are some grand yeah. vistas in this. And there are some thrilling moments where the uh, the alien is chasing after. And it's just, oh, it's so it's so beautiful. I just, I think this movie has such a it's really, really... It's just like... It's such a good visual storytelling. Like, there's so much visual storytelling going on. Yeah. And I just, that's what I love to see. 
And I love that we've gotten three movies that are completely different from him. I know. Like, it, it's really cool to see him kind of tackling sub-genres and putting, like, his own twist on them and making his own kind of, like, contemporary look at that kind of, those kinds of stories that we're so used mm-hmm. to. Like, especially with this alien story. Yeah. Kiki Palmer, too. Just, it was just, like, so fun to watch. Oh, my God, she's so good. She's so good in this. Oh. But yeah, so everyone see no. Yeah. If you are comfortable going to theaters, go see it in a theater. It's a really good movie to see in a theater. It, like with a big screen. Mm-hmm. It, it's grand and spectacle. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's something you're comfortable with, I definitely recommend it. But I also know that things are weird right now. So that about does it for this week. So we're still covering Fantasia next week. So we're still pushing horror comedies because I'm gonna have more movies to talk. I well, need even more movies to talk about next <laughs> to week. Watch probably. more movies. So um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a couple I'm really stoked to watch. So hopefully I'll have those talk Sweet. about next week. Yes, and then who are we talking to on Monday? We are chatting with writer direct Addison Hyman, whose debut feature film Hypochondriac is out today in theaters. And we'll be on VOD next Friday. And we've both seen the movie. It is Scarred for Life approved. I really enjoyed the film. It really... My pull quote's on the I poster. Know, it's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's like a gut punch of a film, particularly if you have ever dealt with mental illness. Um, and it does some very interesting things in that in that realm. So it's really good. But he also brought with him a fucking classic and a banger of a film. We are chatting Scream 2. Scream 2. And the incredible college uh, theater apartment. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a toss-up between that and Euphoria at this point. Which one? Which one has the bigger budget? Incredible. I mean, Euphoria kind yeah. of does, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god so listeners you've heard from us but we want to hear from you did you watch something that we watched this week and have thoughts do you have suggestions for movies we should be watching send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on twitter i am at mcandrews and of course don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast and please don't forget to review rate and subscribe we say this every week but it really does help with the algorithms. Please and thank you. Speaking of thank you, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. 
So we're going to explore how to do it right. And we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.